Hello, bonjour, welcome and all the new to the Football Well English podcast. I'm your host Liam, and once again I'm joined by Tom. Hello everyone. And Jonathan. Uh, hey everyone. In this episode we'll be discussing OL's draw with Claremont despite being 3-1 up. We'll also be taking a look ahead to the upcoming Friday night fixture with Nantes, and we'll also be discussing a bit more about OL's transfer window as Shakira joins the club and Within the last 24 hours since I wrote this agenda, things have gone a bit crazy with incoming and outgoing, so that will all be discussed on this episode. So, excuse us if the last section is a bit freestyle, but we'll see how we get on. So, obviously, OL were against Claremont this weekend, you know, started off in good fashion, 3-1 at half-time, a brace for Dembele, a lovely goal for Paquetta, one of the best goals we've probably seen in the last five or six years there the play in between the players, one twos, one touch passing and a great finish. And then um as um Oella one half FC in the second half, everything changed late on in the last ten minutes. Um Allah Switzerland against France, um Leon bottled a two goal lead and drew three three. Um First of all, just to kind of discuss both sides of the performance, obviously we were excellent in the first half, pretty dross in the second half, especially the last 10 minutes. Um, what did you think of the first half performance, Jonathan, in particular? Obviously, we, we know Boss wants us to play a nice football. Was this the sort of football you were expecting when he was announced as manager of the club? Yes. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, the first first minute right away team was I, I don't think I've ever seen them like that in, in a long time completely engaged every pass was good pass and, and so much movement and combination and pressure and everyone was making the runs um, I mean can, can contrast last game against Angers to this first half was amazing and it was it made me kind of frustrated that we don't always play like this um, but Top class first half. I mean, if we if we did every half like that, we would we would be a dominant team. So I'm I'm really optimistic overall about the whole game, not just the first half. I don't think because they blew the last ten minutes when Kimaresh and Paqueta were out, and you know Dubois was out, you know, and and there was a whole new few players that came in that maybe aren't, aren't as engaged, and right away the team changed. So, but I think the first seventy five minutes. We could have scored five, six goals, and we could have won this game brilliantly. So I'm I'm optimistic about the entire game. I can see the the style he wants. I think that if we just keep on this path, we're gonna really going to improve. Um, so I'm really excited the the players reacted in that way. It really showed they're listening because all week they were talking about how it was so tough in training and how they're really upset and they really wanted to fix things. And you could see it right away. They were engaged. So I think it's a really positive sign that they're they're listening and they're going to improve. I second everything you say, especially in the first half performance. There seemed to be a bit of a a mentality change among the players. You know that what Boss was saying trading was actually getting um getting across to the players. But then again, in the second half, the um, the same old mentality that we seem to talk about in the last ten minutes, where you know well. Uh, cruising really to a victory they they were a little bit open at the back you know a couple of um hiccupy moments but they looked like they were going to get the three points and then out of nowhere the second goal creeps in and then you know it's i think for me personally anyway i knew when that second goal had gone in that a third was going to follow i just didn't feel that i had the confidence that having been two goals up that they were going to get the three points is this something that worries you Tom in terms of you know where the clubs are obviously we can play that beautiful football we know that's possible now but is this mentality and you know the same thing recurring of one half FC or you know allowing a two goal collapse in the last 10 minutes something that really needs to be eradicated from not just mentally but you know in the way that the players are well I mean it's easy to draw on this game and to compare it with with France, but still in the summer, uh, it's it's just it's the same, the similar game, not exactly the same, although because I, I don't think France were as dominant in that game, um, but there's definitely similarities of, of being two goals up and 
yeah. letting go and being a big mentality issue. Um, last year we mentioned second half, uh, one half FC, um, notably because of this and notably because it's been the case for, for many years. And whether we change managers, change the players, it feels like it's been the case for the last decade, which I don't know if, if there's anything really much to do about it um, other than putting the game away and being efficient in front of goal, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Um, there's definitely something about being too complacent, I think. Uh, it's a good good fancy word you can use there. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating because I think we, we played really well and and we deserve better, but we also know that Bosch also has these tendencies of going full ho and just going all the way. Um, I was surprised by the, the substitutions. Um, I think that was not exactly his normal style of substitution. I think there's many times there's a lot of studies that say that when you're one year, one year up, for example, um, it's better to keep on attacking rather than just sitting back trying to defend that result. And I think at 3-1, uh, we could have continued. It's easy to say now because we've missed, I think, at least one, maybe even three big chances at 3-1. And we could have been sitting here and saying, oh, we had a great game, we won 5-2, and sensational performance. But no, because we had those last 15, 20 minutes when there were so many substitutions. And this is where I also have slight issues with five substitutions. It's great to have new you know, more players playing, you know, sure he should have been involved in this game if it wasn't for the Silver's injury. Um, you've got a better rotation and the end of games are crazier than they were with, with free substitutions because you've got healthier players. Uh, but it also means that the, the team spirit and team cohesion just flies out the window after the hour mark. Um, so I think needs to, the full squad needs to get used to Bosch and work together in that system so that it gets really cohesive and probably we could avoid those types of results. Um, I think with the whole running around and his, you know, pressing and pressure and everything, you're going to have tired players that we saw at Arnley. I think, yes, we were losing 1-0 and we were losing 2-0, but everything seems to collapse at the end. Because even though you were trying and running after the ball, everyone was, you know, dead tired. So I think we saw a bit of that uh, on Sunday and hopefully, you know, physically we improve throughout the season and we, we get to stabilise this. So I don't want to have to live every weekend because we played so well compared to the previous week that it's just frustrating to be able to not talk about a great victory today and be able to talk about the disappointing results of anything. I think it's worth noting something that you mentioned there about a, a mentality issue or the idea that the players being rotated so much is a necessity. It's also worth mentioning, you know, with still three games in the season, I think Olas tweeted, you know, with three games in, you know, you can't really, um, you can't judge a performance of a season just on three games. Obviously, they're not the most promising results, two from nine when people were saying we could win all five of our opening games, you know. It's a stark contrast, but in hindsight, I would say this is something that we can build on, and in a sense, it would fill me with optimism if we go into next week's game and play and start in the same manner. Obviously, we've got new players to add into that as well. You know, there could be a couple more players to add into that before the end of the transfer window, so... It is important that, you know, we allow the, the boss to have time. We allow the players to adjust to him. No pun intended with the boss there, you know. But <laughs> in a sense, just just calm down a little bit because some people after two games were getting, you know, overreactionary. Me probably as well. But what I saw filled me with, um, with a sense of optimism. In terms of... Building upon that, do you see it as something that we're going to be able to play for 75, 90 minutes? Because as you said then, we were able to play it for a sustained period of time. But when it comes to playing it for 90 minutes, is it an issue? Because obviously we're not the most convincing at the back, Jonathan. I mean, we could have and should have killed the game. We should have scored. I mean, we all know Bosch's style. It's 
an attacking-minded style where you focus on scoring one more goal than the opponent. It's not about defense. We're going to take a ton of goals this season, and we've already taken seven in, in, two, in three games. Um, but we just need to score all our chances. And we could have, if we had scored five goals and there was 5-1, it was over. We didn't really care about allowing another set piece. Um, so I think that's going to be the mentality of Bosch is going to be score more goals and, and move more. And, and even if we play 75 minutes and we are that good where we're scoring three to four goals every 75 minutes, I think you should build a win like that. Um, so um, I'm not, I'm really not worried. I, I was worried after Angers, but now I'm not worried. I saw a different, a complete amazing reaction. I think we, we, it's a fluke that we lost that game. I mean, that Silva falls on the second goal and gets beaten one on one, and then, you know, the third goal is a set piece. It's it's tough. It's tough because the last ten minutes were terrible, but I think that'll that'll improve itself once um, the right players. And I think it's you know in life we, when you have a setback and you you make mistakes, you learn. And so I think Bosch is learning about the players and which players you can trust and which you can't. And I think that he's he's learning what substitutions worked and what doesn't, which players can't be trusted. Tino Kadawera came in and was horrendous in the last defensively, and I think he learned. He didn't know that about him. This is the first game he's really playing for him, and he saw something. Oh, I see something I don't like. So hopefully he learns which players he likes and which players he can trust, and that's going to make a big change when he makes substitutions. As you say, it's. It's one of those things in terms of where we're at in the season. He wouldn't have known that about Tino before this game. I mean, last season, Tino, for me, was one of our hardest workers, especially in the defensive side. And he covered quite well on that right-hand side. But as you say, it changes when new managers come in. So that could be something that he notices. But it's only been three games, so he's still learning about the players. He's still learning about the club, in a sense. And obviously, he's going to learn that there is a... I think we all agree there's a mentality issue at the club, as you've just mentioned, Tom. Within 10 years, it's almost felt like there's been an inability to win at times, and that felt the same at the weekend, despite being three women from comfortably going along in the game, looking convincing, playing nice football, but yet we weren't able to win. So hopefully this staggered start to the season isn't, isn't a replication of that. But on a more positive note, obviously it would be... I'm trying to find a word that would be so bad if we didn't mention um, Paqueta's goal. Uh, what? How would you describe that goal from Paqueta, Tom? It was um, uh, an interesting one, if not um, perfect, in a sense. Oh, I mean, if you're a fan of, of incredibly well and, and slick football, you know, Jogado Brasil, you know, it's, it, was, it was incredible. And I will cite um, my good friends of Café du Commerce who, who mentioned this. Um, this they brought out the video uh, of uh, Sony Anderson goal against Inter Milan uh, over 20 years ago, that, which I obviously didn't watch live because um, you know 2002 I was about four years old. Um, but it, it you know the intricate passing and so on, you feel like it comes back to the old glory days. And I can't remember many well goals being so collective. Obviously, we mentioned this in the podcast last season. Um, uh, was it Mets, uh, I think, in my opinion, where there's a whole great passing goes on the other side, our finishes off. Um, so there is, there has been that going on for a few years. It's slowly coming back into it. And it, it was incredible. And just the relationship between Paquette and Bruno is is unique and we have to cherish it throughout the season. I think Paqueta played in a very similar fashion with Brazil in the Copa this summer to Neymar. And it's good to see that he's found another athlete to do it. And even the final pass from Awar was, was just perfect. Um, and so just to top it off, we had a goal celebration uh, with the crowd and it was good to see. At that point, you know, you finish, you've free one up, uh, you finish the game there. It's a perfect performance with a great goal. Obviously, we've mentioned the, the goal, but it, it's a great goal nonetheless. And unfortunately, I think um, 
close of the season aren't usually celebrating collective goals. Uh, I'm thinking of Arsenal against Norwich, for example, was never really celebrated like it should have been. Um, but I think it deserves to be at least a conversation at some point in the season for, for the goal of the season. because It, it was truly special. I think when you're discussing um, OL's goals of the season, that's got to be up there, definitely. Obviously, we did our uh, in our season review, uh, we did our goal of the season, and that Mets goal that our scored was mentioned in the nominees. So I'm sure come this time next year, you know, that will have been in the conversation, and it'll be a goal I'll remember for sure this season. In terms of memorable moments, that just the play, that's that kind of typified what we were expecting when Boss came in and to see it in the flesh is positive. Obviously, what happened afterwards wasn't the most positive, but I think I speak for all of us where it was a, it was like a, a relief to see the football kind of uh, come onto the pitch and alive. Uh, if you could, just to keep it short, Jonathan, we'll move on to the next section. If you could just describe that goal in one word, you're a resident uh, lawyer over here, what, what would you give us a... Uh, the word as I would say perfection. Love it. Love it. Uh, before we move on, uh, quick tops and flops. Uh, come to you first, Jonathan. Any tops to Sadafi? Obviously, Paqueta was good, Dembele with the Brewers. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of players play well. I want to highlight a player that probably will wasn't the best. I think Emerson really made a huge difference. Um, it was. It's been a while since we saw a real left back. He defended very well. There was no no one getting by him really on the left side, and um, he made runs often up and used either they passed to him or they used him as a decoy, and Toko used him to get by. Um, and it was just it. It made a huge difference to the the back line to have someone like that. So I think he made a huge, huge improvement to the team having someone like that. Um, and then the other player, um, Awar, deserves some credit. I just want to... So something I saw in the game, he was still pressing. There was a moment where he lost... I don't remember exactly what minute, but towards the end of the game, and he started pressing and, and running all over, you know, trying to get the ball back, and it's, it was a different different style than we usually see from him. And I was really, he used a lot of energy and a lot of defensive intensity. Um, so I, I think he deserves credit because he's trying to show that he he is the player that we all think he is. And I think that he he, he showed showed me that he can fit in this team. If we, if we keep him, he, he, he's a, he'll be a great player to have. And, and I think Bosch can rely on him. Um, so I think the two players that are going to be talked about less that I would like to highlight are Awar and, and Emerson. I think Emerson's worth noting in particular. I remember tweeting in the game saying he's a breath of fresh air at left back. And someone replied, really? And I was like, are they watching the same game? I just thought we've had two years now probably of uh, incopious amount of left-backs that don't know how to defend and don't know how to tackle and see somebody, you know, can keep the advanced position and cross a ball and take a ball down while still be able to, to cover back and defend was was a bit of a, a bit of a relief in a sense because we've seen Maxwell Corner do it, you know, the week before and get sent off. We've seen Enrique do it. I don't think anyone was convinced by his performance. Melvin Barr was never really given a chance. And Mattia De Shiglio wasn't a left back. So again, the same on his behalf. So it was nice to see. Uh, any anything from you, Tom, in terms of tops? Were you impressed with Emerson? Awar had a good game, I thought, as well, especially with his assist. I agree with, with both. I think um Awar showed a better face with someone who's been so heavily criticized recently uh when it comes to lack of investment. Uh, he really showed uh, well I wouldn't say a different face because we, we mentioned it last week that he was probably the best player against Angers so I wouldn't say it's a better attitude but he tried to shush the haters I guess uh, and he definitely did Emerson was great uh, not perfect you know there's one or two chances where um, Clermont are free against free and he's nowhere to be seen um, but he's definitely 
on pure quality, I think he's the best left-back we've had since Mendy. And I don't think it's very difficult, um, being that we've had Cornet or Marsal since. But, you know, it's it's promising for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, Paqueta, really impressed on, on the right wing. Um, it's not something I would have expected as much, but it worked really well with Bruno inside. Um, also had a, a decent game, nothing particularly impressive. Well, similar to Kakray. Uh, and obviously, I think someone like, like Dembele is worth shouting out. You know, he's scored his two first goals since November um, last year. So, in official competitions at least. So, for me, it's going to be Piquet and Dembele, I think, as a standout, other than the ones that have already been mentioned. Yeah, I think Dembele is worth a shout in terms of, you know, in. When we discussed, you know, players who were going to be big for us this season, Dembele was up there. I think we had a few shouts of 20 goals in all competitions. It's it's a positive start from him that he got a bit of stick in the first two weeks. There was rumours that he could be going to Fenerbahce. They got they got quashed pretty quickly, but you know there was a bit of a a bit of a cloud hanging over him in terms of where he was going to be spending his future, whether he was going to be at Lyon, was he the right man to lead the line? I think his doubt really put those doubters away from him and those two couple of goals will do him quite good. What about flops then? Because obviously that collapse in the last 10 minutes is probably down to defensive frailties more than anything. Is there anyone you could really pinpoint that on, Jonathan? Or do you just think it was a collective thing, as we've spoken about previously with the mentality side of things? I mean, you always want to say it's a team game. Um, but there were a few substitutions of players that didn't have the same intensity as the one before. And you put in... I was surprised, like we said, Pedewer wasn't defensively. Usually he's very energetic and, and intense, and he does the stuff he's supposed to, but right away he came in and, and Gusto was on, it, uh, on his own. Gusto is not very experienced and, and made mistakes too, but that back, that right line, the right side of the defense was, was an open field, you know, one, once they were uh, Gusto and, and Cadewer. And then Chago Mendes obviously comes in, and he's obviously not the same player as Guimaraes. Um, and right away, you also sense a difference in the midfield. So I think it's just wrong players came in, um, and that, that made a difference. So the flops, the flops. I guess I, I guess you'd have to say um, you know, Kedewere was the flop for me just because he, he was a liability on defense and, and didn't help on offense. But I really think it was a... a a learning lesson. I'm not really trying to single anyone out. I think it's uh, everyone started the game, played well, and the few players who came in, you know, they'll learn from it and, and either they'll be sold or the coach will, won't use them anymore. So it's just uh, we're in the weird last week of the transfer window where we're, players are playing that maybe are not even going to be part of it next week. And so we're just seeing um, less intensity for some players. and. and I, so I don't really know there's a single person to, to single out. That's fair in terms of talking about poor performances. I'm trying to think now and I can't really signify one or pinpoint one player who had a terrible game. I just think when those sorts of things happen late in games, it's kind of one of those things where you just say, it's happened, let's move on from it. Let's make sure it's not happened again. So I can't really signify one person that was at fault for the uh, collapse at the end. Probably poor defending all round, really, a team thing. Anything from you, Tom, in terms of uh, flops, major ones? I, I want to signify, um, well, Kadiwari, because I've recently seen the video of, of him just letting his man go and then just stopping his run and just going, oh, 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 he's... Oh, he's gone. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, should I? Oh, you've got to defend. Right. Oh, dear me. Uh, why am I on the pitch again? Oh, yes. I, uh, sorry, I'm a Noel player. I need to start running. I don't know how to do that. Damn it. Um, well, yeah. Uh, not particularly impressed with his attitude, uh, other than the quality. Um, yeah. Uh, overall, it was, it was a bit... I mean, the fact that we collapse at the end of the game is usually also linked to the substitutions that have come in, and I think generally 
substitutions weren't very good. Um, Jamonde didn't look very confident either. Uh, I will say that. I think someone we didn't mention is, is De Silva's good performance. Um, I, I know that it's, it's not a flop, but I'll say that he was he was okay. Um, but yeah, no, as you said, it, it's more of a collective thing. You can't really single anyone out. Um, Mendes was terrible as usual, but that's that's part of the we've given up with him, I guess. Uh, so. So no, I won't single anyone particularly out, but there's some players that need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I really worth being in such a big club? And what do I be doing differently next week in order to even come into the, the picture? You know, I think after failing to score that, that chance and not defending Canterbury, really is going to struggle to get back into Bosch's plans. I think at the moment he might be a not particularly impressed, I think, is, is the word um, for him. So, no, I won't single anyone out. But as I said, some some disappointments, but overall it's a, it's a collective thing. That was the issue at the end. I'm sure with uh, with Tino Pelleweri, it's one of those things where we saw last season that he can score goals, that even in a wide area, which is his natural position, he can be a threat. Runs in at the back post, dribbling with the ball, and he can be energetic. Maybe it's just one of those things. Obviously, everyone's not the best every week, but I personally think, obviously, defensive defensive duties isn't his normal thing. Being a striker, so it's hard to really say, in a sense, that he should do better. Obviously, he should do better and know to go with his man. But in a sense, he's a striker. That sort of thing wouldn't come necessarily come naturally to him, but then again he's a professional footballer he's expected to defend. But I'm sure that won't be something we see regularly and that's if Tino says there's a, a lot of strikers at the club, maybe a, maybe a, an eleventh hour beef could come in for him. Uh moving on, obviously League and games coming thick and fast. Oh well in action, having played on Sunday lunchtime twice, it's now to uh, Friday evening game against Nantes. Nantes struggled last year, only just managed to stay in the league by the skin of the teeth. Uh, but this season they've started off a completely different team, four points in the first three games. I'm sure they'll be very happy with that start, considering where they were last season. It's I know it's early, but we spoke about teams that have started off in good manners in Angers, Clermont, you know, their two teams that would have been expected to be in Lower mid table, Nantes are eighth, considering where they were. That's a that's a positive start for them. Do you expect this to uh, have the same things again with the fortunes changed and do you fancy um, Nantes' chances against us on Friday night? Tom? I think it's um, it's always. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to say whether we struggled really against Nantes. I think there's there's good games and bad games. Uh, obviously, one of the, the recent highlights was for Shirky's performance in the cup. But um, otherwise, I think generally we do generally succeed against them. But it's a it, it, there's some players in there. Kalimundo, uh, Bass, uh, particularly, is some of the players that could hurt us. And have some of them have hurt us in the past, uh, whether it's there or with other clubs. Um, so teams are confident. We saw it with Clermont; they still wanted to play football even at three-one. Um, could be difficult to maneuver. Now I don't think it's the same attacking football and possession football that uh, Clermont play. Definitely not. I'm not expecting them to be as high up the pitch. I think that's something that we used quite well at times in the first half is being able to break that line and go in behind. Uh, I expect them to be a lot more solid defensively, which is when we're going to be really testing, um, you know, our positional play and be able to get behind them uh, and to be able to get chances. So it could be a very cagey game, I think. Uh, and this is when possibly Lyon go five goals and I look ridiculous next week. But I definitely think a KG game because Kumbari is a, a bit of a defensive coach and I think when you are not and you see the season they had last year I think there's definitely a, a good reason to try and be a bit more defensive and secure at least so 
I'm not going to be over the moon uh, about playing a team that's, that's confident and doing better than we are. Um, we obviously have uh, quality in the team, but now it's a question of how far, how much progress has a team made since Sunday and how much has this week of training with us uh, changed things. And obviously we've had Shakiri arrive and maybe another player at the time we start. So how's that going to change things as well? So I'm I'm going to be cautious. I think it's something we have to do at the start of the year. Uh, once we start get going and start a, a long series of, of victories, then yes, I'll be over the moon and expecting a victory every week. For now, um, we haven't uh, won yet. So uh, let's be slightly cautious uh, and, and be careful with what, uh, well, not can offer, I guess. I mean, obviously, every team has the threats. I mean, Cullen Wan is another player I like a lot. I don't think he played against uh, Ren or definitely didn't start in the recent defeat, but he's a player that can cause us problems and we've been linked with in the past, as you mentioned. Ludovic Blau is a, another talented uh, player that's probably about to reach a point where he's looking for a bigger move to another club, so he's got lots of things to prove as well. We've spoke a little bit there about key men for Norts. Uh, what about for a while, Jonathan? Is there anyone you uh, see being the, the big player for us in this game? And as we saw in the last game with Dembele and Paqueta to stand out and make a, make a difference. Yeah, I think, again, it's the our midfield is pretty much every team we face this season is going to be where we have the upper hand. And Tech, Greg, Guimaraes, Paqueta, Awar, that duo in a 4-2-3-1 it's very very good and that should be enough to dominate these kind of teams with a high press style if the top three players press and everyone else is is high up on the pitch it it should be a high possession game um, against Rennes not had only 37% of the ball they only had one shot on target um, so offense, offensively, they're not going to produce much. We just have to make sure to not make any mistakes. And um, defensively, though, that's their, you know, they've only allowed two goals all season in the three games. So it's going to be hard to score. But I do think that Bosch's style of play is catered, in my opinion, to teams that don't, um, that, are, that are, I think it's teams that are defend too much. It's it's a style where Bush will take advantage of it compared to in the past with other coaches where you just pass the ball and didn't know what to do. Here, there's going to be a lot of movement and players know how to um, you know get a advantage uh, on certain players. And when we have when we're so far up the pitch, it's going to be suffocating. That's the style I think he wants to do where they can't get out of their half and we're going to just be in there for the entire game and create with our wing back, you know, with Emerson and stuff and Toko and just, you know, create one twos and, and get open. And so I'm I'm really hopeful. I think this is gonna be another great first half performance. I hope we kill the game. I'm very I'm very hopeful about this one. I think at, like I said last week, at some point you have to win. And I think that this is the week we're gonna win. Let's hope your uh, your optimism uh, transfers onto the players. Uh, is that something we can see in your score prediction, Jonathan? What, yeah, I'll come to you first. What are you going for this week? Obviously, a win. What score line? I got 3-0. 3-0 for Lyon. And um, I'm going to give Paqueta another goal, and, and we'll go from there. Confidence personified there. A first clean sheet for Leon and Jonathan's prediction. What about you, Tom? Are you as optimistic or are you uh, going to continue with the cautious side and go for another cagey, cagey performance and result? Well, I mean, you say that. I did um, predict a 4 3 in the first game and that didn't go to play. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be cautious and go for 2 1. Um, because I, I think we have uh, a dismal of a keeper. That's one I wanted to mention in the, in the flops before, is is the second goal we conceded and how Lopez defended that one. But yes, 2-1 it is for me, to keep it short. I think I'll agree with you there and go for 2-1. I'm going to say 
Awar and uh, Paqueta get on the score sheet. Um, obviously, that I think we've discussed Nulls there. It's still early in the season, so it's hard to really look into things too much in terms of they've played three games, they've had every possible outcome in a game, they've won, they've drawn, they've lost one. So it's one of those, they've been better than Leon, but in a sense, form's not that important at this stage of the window. All it takes is three games and things are looking much happier for us and things are much happier for everyone else. So it's one of those things where I think we'll we'll play well to a sense this week, but not expect the world at once. Hopefully we can get the three points. So moving on, talking about transfers, obviously a couple of weeks ago we spoke in length about Jadon Chikiri. Within the last 24 hours, I think I'm right in saying we're recording on Tuesday, uh, the Swiss international has been announced a Lyon player. In pounds, it's 9.5 million, including bonuses, starting at about 5 million, I think, in terms of euros. It's about 6, rising to 11. So the finances are around where we were speaking about originally. An experienced player, obviously. We spoke about this. We spoke about this at length a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to go into Shakiri too much because we've had our Shakiri discussion, and I'm sure the listeners know our opinions. But now that he's signed, uh, are you happy with the signing, Tom? I've I've mentioned it uh, too many times that I want to stay cautious. On this, on on Pakiri, uh, just wanted to see what physically what he's going to look like because he's not played since the Euros and barely played at the end of last season. So I'm sure you'll get progressively into shape and we'll we'll determine the role. Um, when I see how well Paqueta plays on the right, I think it's slightly frustrating to have him come in into the same position, but that's that. It's a good. It's a good signing. There's no debate about it. Uh, I just want to see if he transcends into the, the his prime uh, that he played at with, with Switzerland or has played at Stoke at that level or his first season at Liverpool at least. Um, so I want to see if he stays away from injuries, if he can really have a determinant role. Um, he nonetheless, comes in with, with great experience. Um, he's also a great free kick taker. Uh, which I don't think we really have at the club. Um, I'm going to score overhead kicks uh, every five minutes. So I guess that's a positive. Uh, he's, he's a bit crazy. Um, I will say this. I think I've, I've seen it a lot recently, is that he's sort of repetitive in what he does at times and can be a bit rude one. Uh, feels like a, a lesser version of a Robin. Um and he always cuts inside and doing similar tricks. So hopefully he develops that as well and, and can be really interesting for the team. I'm, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to spit on this kind of signing when you see the level of our attack at times. So we can only be happy with this kind of signing, but I'm, I'm expecting a little more. I'm sure we'll get on to the, the future targets in a bit. For sure, yeah. What you spoke about there makes sense, obviously. Injuries are going to come with Shakiri. He's been someone that spent he spent nearly a year out at Liverpool out of his three years there, which isn't the most promising thing. He's missed long periods of the season. But then again, everything you've got on the side of injuries, you've got a class player, like you said, a good passer, a good free kick taker, a ridiculously strong striker of the ball, you know, can score goals from distance, powerful finisher in the box. He can cut inside, he can use both feet. He is a good player to have in terms of being able to play in different positions as well, in attacking areas as well. So I would agree with that. I saw your um, announcement on Twitter for him, Jonathan, the Alpine Messi. I think it was you that tweeted that. Um, what, what can we expect from the Alpine Messi giving him such a deal? I know that's something he's been called a fair bit by people from Switzerland, etc. But uh, you must have high hopes labelling with such a name. Well, you know, I, I listened to the Juninho interview, I think it's, and also Shakira's interview, and I think it's, it is what they're looking for. They're looking for winners that have experience, that are going to have a different mentality. That's the number one focus. It's not as much on talent that we, we usually would be focused on. Usually we were looking at young, talented players that come in and grow and resell. This is, these are 
Emerson and Shakiri are players that are winners that have won huge clubs and they're going to come in and they're going to change the mentality for some moments. Um, I, I do think that the positive is he's going to he should start instead of Toko Ikambi. I mean, that's that's a positive. I think it's undeniable that Shakiri is better than Toko Ikambi. I would, I mean, I hope so. Um, the, the only question I have for you, Liam, I, I haven't watched Akiri that often besides with Switzerland, and I think with Switzerland it's a different role than he played maybe in club. Um, but does he really... He, I know he plays right wing, but is he actually on the wing, or is he more in the center? I always imagined him basically as a support number nine, where he's right behind this goal scorer, and he's just shooting and trying to score goals. But I don't imagine him being on the wing, like Toko Ikambi, where he takes the line and he creates on the side. Is, is that true, or can you just tell me about that? I'd, I'd agree with you in that sense. Having watched him, I wouldn't say he's a, your traditional, direct, pacey winger that wants balls played down the line to him. I wouldn't expect him to be making darting runs. I think he's someone who likes the ball at his feet, which kind of comes in with what Tom said about him being like Robin, obviously would have learned from as a young player that he likes to drift inside a little bit. And personally, I agree with what you've said there about being a second striker, that I think when he's in the centre of things, he can see the play a bit more. Obviously, he's not the quickest player. He's not slow by any means, but pace isn't necessarily his biggest asset. So given his build and given his ability to see things in terms of passes and things opening up, I do think... In a central role, he is probably his most comfortable area, but then again, he can play wide. For me personally, I remember going to Anfield and watching Liverpool against um, Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League, and they played a 4-2-3-1. It was Firmino behind Salah, Shaqiri on the right-hand side, and Mane on the left-hand side, and Shaqiri was always in a, not necessarily wide area it almost felt like he was a third midfielder so in transition he would sit into a midfield three and that was his role so I think if you position him in a sense that he's going to occupy those areas of the pitch but for example when you've got Dubois pushing high up he's not going to be in the those wide areas that he's going to be in he's going to like to sit kind of in the at the edge of the box on the right-hand side to be able to come inside. So I would agree with what you've said there. I'd say your assumptions of him are right, but he probably does have the ability to go to the byline because he is a good crosser. Playing hefty, hefty passes into him, expecting to get on the end is probably not the best thing. But then again, I wouldn't say that he's unable to play as a wide, you know, natural winger. We did see him score an incredible goal with his right foot to the Euros, so uh, it can't be that much of a bad right foot. I'm sure if Bosch asks him to go to the byline, he could probably do it. Oh, for sure. I think he's got a good weak foot. I don't think that's anything that sometimes it's spoke about that he's not necessarily strong with his weaker foot. I think he's good with both feet. For me, personally watching him, I think he scored a free kick again on his weak foot again, or he can come on the inside with a free kick as well. So just in terms of an all-rounded player, I think he's got a skill set that suits what we need. I do think he's able to play with both feet. He can play a number of positions centrally. I think if you needed him to, he would be able to play in a midfield three. Not that we would ever expect him to, but he did, for me in particular, watching him at Liverpool, some of his best football did come in a midfield three kind of off the left side or the right side of the midfield three occupied that position. So I would expect that it turns out to be a positive signing and for sure it's something that we'll see in the coming weeks. So anything to add? Do you think he he could play left wing? Um I mean I never say never. I wouldn't if you'd ask me the byline like that. But he's not quick, is he? That's what I mean. It's in a sense of playing to his strengths. I think he can, as I say, as a centre forward, almost like a second striker, deeper, seeing things, influencing things. That's his, one of his best positions. Right wing, you know, he's comfortable. He's played there a long time. Again, in the midfield, three hours in number 10. I don't know about the left-hand side. Not that he's Okay, so imagine this. Imagine this. If, if we keep, because I think at times, for most of the game, this week we had Bruno and, and Kakri as a double pivot. Mm-hmm. 
could you have Shakiri as a as a ten next to Paqueta and Awa? I think your problem there is that you've not got a tradition. I'm not that Toko Kambi is a traditional winger, but he's more like a traditional winger that yeah. you know is able to occupy wide areas with with pace and take the ball. You know, for example, a long ball over the top or in behind, he's able to run to them. I think that would be a problem because you've got too many ball carriers because Kakri likes to carry the ball a lot as well, as does Bruno as well, to advance forward and pick out passes. So I think although Pep Guardiola said he liked to play with a team of midfielders, so maybe so maybe that's not much of a problem. But I think for the way Boss wants his team to play, not having runners who've got the legs, you know, the pace to hurt teams. Dembele is not the slowest, but then again, he can run in behind, but it's not something that we want him to be doing by himself and running into wide areas. We all know he's best around the penalty box, in around the six-yard box, putting chances away. So I wouldn't expect us to be able to play that. But then again, when you're against teams that aren't going to have a lot of the ball and you need to break things down, having those three players on the pitch, I think you wouldn't struggle in terms of someone to find a pass with Paqueta Awar and Shakiri because for my in league and I think they're three of the best creative passes in the league so I do think um, in that sense we're we're stacked in that in that department. Um, anything you want to add on, Jonathan, from Shakiri's perspective? I know you you asked me a question. Is there anything else you you think in particular no, I, why you signing? Uh, it was very reassuring what you said. Um, I still think for Bosch's system he'll need to wide often yeah um and i hope he's able to do that but i trust that his experience i know he's played at the top level of top clubs nothing at Lyon will be new to him he's played with intense coaches and and i so i i'm not worried about him being professional and doing his job so and and you know people are really on him because of his injuries and it's true he's been injured and has missed a lot but he's still young i mean he he's not even 30 yet so we're not getting him at 33 when it's just a signing that's here for. He's still, in theory, 28 to 32. You're usually pretty much your your best years because you've experienced plus you have a lot of, of skill. So um, I think we had him at the right time on a three-year deal. We didn't overpay for him. Um, it can only help. I don't know how big a role will he have. I don't know he's going to be the savior, but I think if he's in the rotation, plays. 30 games, plays the big games, you know, all the European games, and and, and it's a name to have an exemption with. So um, I'm, I'm really happy about it. I'd agree with everything you say there, really. It's one of those things where we're, we're looking for someone that's won things. He's got that. We're looking for someone that can play in a few positions. He's got that. And I think he will have an impact on the team, but obviously... Uh, we don't want to begin up too much, and hopefully in the uh, coming weeks he can he can show what we've just discussed there. We've discussed more than I planned of Shakiri there. Obviously, there's other transfers on the incoming, but that's not a problem. Shakiri's a good player, I'm sure. Someone we'll be talking about a lot on the podcast this year, hopefully for the wrong, the right reasons rather than the wrong reasons. Um, the next transfer I wanted to talk about is probably in the last two three hours. We know Asmoon has been a target. Boss prefers him as his number nine in terms of adding another striker. But would you say you are happy with this rumoured 11 million euros bid? Just have a bit of context. He's got one year left on his contract. He's got good goal scoring records in the, for club and country. I think he got 19 goals in the league last season. Obviously, it's not the same level as league. And, but then again, someone who knows where the back of the net is and he's I don't know the numbers particularly, but for his national team, his goal-scoring numbers, again, are ridiculous. Um, 20 million euros is where Zenit are sat at the moment. I don't expect that Leon will pay anything like 20 million euros for him, but if we were to get the signing over the line, would you be happy with it, Tom? I think he, he, he could be a great addition. I won't say that I watch regularly Russian football, um, and so I'm basing this off, off a few stats, and I think this might be from you, Jonathan. Uh, the fact that he's valued at 26 million on on transfer marked, uh, so having him at half price would be a steal already. Um, so 
if he's valued that highly, then he must be a decent player. Um, again, we'll have to see how he adapts. I don't want it to be splashing 20 million and then it being a complete flop. Uh, I don't have any strikers in mind, particularly, that have been huge flops at that price. I mean, I've got Claude de Beauvu, but he wasn't that expensive. Um, so I, I hope, you know, if he does come, I don't see what role he exactly gets. Does that mean that Bosch goes for two strikers? Um, possibly. Um, but he's more of a 4-3-3 type of, of manager, so I don't know where he fits in. Obviously, having two very good centre-forwards is never a bad thing, uh, especially seeing the amount of games we're going to have this season. Um, but, you know, if he's going to come in at, at a decent price and have a real impact, then yes, go ahead. But I know that we mentioned this in the chat earlier. I think the priority is more at the back rather than centre-forward. Uh, this is where I'll have a, a few reservations, I guess. I think that's worth mentioning that 20 million euros seems a lot to spend on a position that we're not necessarily needing. I think I mentioned in in a, in the number nine position anyway, which at the moment it looks like Boss is only going to play one. You've got Moussa Dembele, Islam Slamani, who are both probably a woman to recognise strikers. Tino Cadoueri, if you asked him what his ideal position would be, he'd probably say that he wants to be a number nine. And then again, Tocco can be probably played his best football in Ligue 1 as a number nine as well uh, at Angers. So you you look at those four players and say, do you need to have sense of you know you've got four players who can play as a as a number nine anyway? Obviously, Tocco can be Cadoueri played wide in recent times. Do you think Asmoon's the player we need, Jonathan, or would you agree with Tom and myself that we should be looking at centre-backs rather than adding another forward after we've just signed Shaqiri as well? I think uh, it's a great addition. You know, he's a top goal scorer of the Russian League the past two seasons. Um, he's called the Iranian Messi. So we have another Messi on our team. Um, and, you know, he's been linked often at Arsenal and Liverpool and uh, Borussia uh, Dortmund and Leverkusen when, when Bosch but Bosch has wanted for a long time and usually when coaches have a you know a fix on a certain player that they really follow and, and admire he must know what to do with him and really want him so I remember at the beginning of the transfer window or when Bosch arrived he said he wanted one player per line so he wants a striker which is Asmoon, then he wants a midfielder, and Shakiri is considered a midfielder in the, in the Premier K. And then a uh, defender, he got Emerson. So I know I know um, Tom wants a center back, um, but I'm from the opinion that we have enough players right now at center back position. Whether they're good enough, it um, remains to see. I, I think that if we start the season, we would have said um, Denier, Diamande, that's good enough. Or you know, that was a good pair of pairings last season. And Denier, Denier's one of the guys he be there. And then uh, Lukeba is an option. And you have the Silva as an experienced league player to come in and fill 15, 20 games. So I think unless we sell someone, I think four center backs is enough. I obviously would like to have a better center back. Um, but I, I don't think we desperately need one. Um, I think the plan is if we sell Marcelo, we're going to get another... A player that you know who can come in, not a starter, but someone who could, who could come in. So I'm I'm happy with this. I think it's going to be um, you know a, 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 the player that Bosch wants, and, and you want to make your coach happy. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's worth noting that the two attacking players that he requested were was Jordan Shakiri. Obviously, he's at the club, and then the other one was Asmoon. So. He's probably the main target for the rest of the window, if you believe what you're reading from sources like the keep, etc. So that could be one to watch out for. On the outgoings front, it looks like Maxwell Corney could be on his way out. Again, that's contrasting reports over the last few days. Just for context, Burnley have been the front runners for a while in terms of the finance aspect, but it's thought that by the keep and other French sources that 
his preference would be her to go in, but they can't afford to pay what Owell want, which is around £15 million, about €17 million, Euros, which Burnley have had an offer accepted for, if you um, reported by Sky Sports again a few hours ago. So that's progressing. He's expected to go, or his agents are expected to go, sorry, and have um, a discussion with Burnley tomorrow to see if a agreement can be reached. So the next 24 hours could be a, could be pretty critical on this one. But Hertha Berlin have agreed to sell Matthias Cunha to Atletico Madrid, so they may now have the fee or the money to be able to pay the, that sort of fee for corner. So Berlin may be able to come in, but as, it, as things stand, it looks like Burnley. How are you feeling about the the money, first of all, but also the fact that corner is probably being considered out of favour for the best part of six months considering he's not able to play left back at a standard that we want him to and in wide areas he's probably not considered the best option with what we've got now with Shaqiri Paquetta's played really well there Awar Shirky's young coming through top of Canby Cadawiri his positions that he would play in are all pretty competitive so I'll come to you first Tom what, what do you think on the the poised departure of Maxwell Corny. I know he's someone that you've been indifferent about in terms of an attacking sense and defensive sense. Um, um, I think it's time he leaves. Um, he's been, he's been, I wouldn't say dead wood for a few months, but close to it. He, he's been unfortunately put out of position, and I've defended him at, uh, at length last season about his, his attacking output when he was put there in the cup. Um. Unfortunately, I think if he'd really played up front his whole long career, we would have had a very different um, player. Um, but uh, you know, it's been up and down with, with Corne. Ups are obviously his goals against City, notably in the final eight, um, but also the lows of, of missing that chance against Ajax in, in the Europa League, uh, which still hurts this day. So... Um, it's up and down with, with Corne, but I think getting 17.5 million euros for him is ridiculous. Like I, I understand there's a lot of money in, in, in the Premier League, but uh, if we get that much money from Burnley, that's, I mean, Janine has sold him very, very well uh, because that's, that's quite impressive. Uh, so hopefully... That means that we obviously we've replaced him at his position with Emerson, uh, and if we can if we can use that money for another position where we need, whether it's centre forward or centre back, then that's a good thing. It might unlock a lot of of situations with that kind of money. So, uh, hopefully, Courtney, you know, goes. I I don't have any personal issues with him. I just know that he's. Unfortunately, not been the best of players in his position uh, as of late. So it's time for him to move on. Uh, I wish him all the best if he goes to Burnley or Hertha Berlin. Uh, I'm sure he'll be hopefully a good success. You know, Bertrand Traore was out of favour at Leon and has been overall pre has been good for Villa. So hopefully there's, there's a similar route for him and and we can move on with, with more projects um, away from him. I still think the priority would have been selling Tago Mendes rather than Corne, but um, if we could get that much money for Corne, then we might as well take it. I think that's a fair assumption of the situation, really. I mean, for me personally, and so I mean, he's a player I'm very indifferent about. I do like him in a sense. I think he's probably a nice guy. I do think to have players that can play three different positions is a good player to have in your squad. Again, from a Liverpool perspective, I think a James Milner. Utility players don't really come along. Obviously, he's not got the same work ethic or quality of James Milner, but even to have someone that can occupy three positions is always something good to have. Uh, what do you think in terms of the money side of things, Jonathan? Do you think £15 million is a, a reasonable price tag for corner? <laughs> reasonable? I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good transfer fee. I mean, that, that's well sold. Um, it, it's pretty much where 
he was projected to be before COVID. I mean, every year there was a rumor where he was going somewhere and he was around this fee. But with COVID, I thought we were going to be closer to 10. So I, I'll wait for the final numbers until it's officially announced. As you know, sometimes the numbers aren't, aren't really accurate. And if it's 12, that's a big difference compared to 17. Um, but I think it's time for him to go. I feel bad for him because there's... The, Everyone is on him. I'm on him. Everyone is putting a ton of pressure on him to leave the club as if he's some player who did something wrong. He never did anything wrong, really, besides that one video of him at a halftime or, or he's talking to Rudy Garcia and saying, you know, they're not being nice to fans or whatever. But overall, he's always given everything for the club. He's had huge moments for us. You know, he was put at left back. That's not where he wants to play now. He's a left back. Um, obviously, I don't think that was his career plan. So, and he doesn't really go out in the press and say things. He's never, he's always tried. So, I think I want him to leave and, and on a positive, I don't want it to be, if he doesn't leave though, I really think it's going to be tough on him. Uh, the, the whole atmosphere around him is going to get much darker. So, I hope he agrees to go to Burnley. He gets to play in Premier League, you know, the top league in the world, supposedly. And uh, so, if he goes there, uh, it's going to help the club, help him. So I wish Maxwell Cornet the best. I still think he's going to go down as a great success for the club. You know, he was bought at 18 for a really minuscule transfer fee, and we groomed him, and, and so he had huge Champions League moments. He's a, he's actually a very, very experienced player for his age. Um, I think almost 200 matches in Liga. 1. So, um, Good, good luck to him, and I, I think he's going to have a good career. So that's a, a nice way to say goodbye to him. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, the Man City moments stand out for me in particular, as you say. Came in at 18 from Mets for a small fee, selling him for £15 million, £17 million. Euros. I'm sure everyone um, will be happy with that. And if Corne does leave again to Burnley, I'm pretty sure they they probably appreciate a player like Corne a lot more than Leon fans would in terms of what he can do, what areas of the pitch he'll be playing in. I'm sure he would be used as a winger. Burnley have been crying out for a winger for a while, but you know, can, that's quick and direct and gives them a, a little bit something different because Burnley have always been known as this team that's very direct, very defensively constructed and not had a lot of pace in it. So I think Corne would add a, something different to uh, Burnley and that would be a good signing for him. Uh, anything to add, Tom? I'll, I'll add two more. So I, I just want to say that he's obviously, yes, he's an experienced player in, in the league. I think he's also um, got quite a few caps for Ivory Coast. You know, I think we sort of forget that as well. He's, he's very experienced at uh, international level and um, has obviously participated in a few African Cup of Nations as well. Uh, and he's a real key element to that squad, you know, a very talented squad, and, and it's crucial to, to know that he's a, he's, well, you know, he's still going to have a main role in there, and I'm sure that going to the to England is a great challenge for him, uh, and I just, uh, on, a, on a lighter note, I just imagine an account like Sports Bible saying, well, these are the great transfers of Leon over the years, and how much money Leon have made Corne without taking any context whatsoever what we've been through with, with Corne, which has been like, oh my God, we just sold Manchester City's worst enemy for only £50 million. What has happened? Um, so I, I expect that kind of tweet to be coming out in the coming days. But um, if he is leaving and, and you might be left by the time we, we record the next podcast, uh, we wish him all the best. Uh, I know we've been half the times with him last season. Um, I tried uh, my best to defend him on the podcast, but um, he, it's time for him to move on and have a new exciting adventure in Burnley, which could be more exciting, but I guess it's a Premier League, so it can't be that bad. For sure. I think I read something today that said his dream is to play in the Premier League. Again, that's come from Sky in the UK, so if that's what he wants to do, then if that's what he wants, I wish him all the best and hope that he has a, a very successful period in the Premier League with Burnley. Um, has anyone got anything else to add? I think the way we've spoken about Corner, there's a good way to end the episode. Anything else on uh, transfers or anything else like that? 
I'm excited for this past week. By the time we have our next podcast, pretty much the entire thing could be changed. We don't know. It could be sure. the end now, or we could have three more outgoings and two more incomings. So, I mean, I'm excited to see this last week so we can really determine what the roster is going to look like for the season. I'm sure it'll be a, a big week, especially in terms of, you know, the next time we record, it's pulled with the end of the transfer window. Today's the 24th. If we go on the basis of another week when we next record, it's probably either deadline day or the transfer window has closed. So, again, the next episode will be a reviewing OL Summer Transfer Window business, I'm sure. Um, other than that, I'd like to thank you guys for listening once again. We massively appreciate it. Keep sharing, keep liking, keep reviewing the podcast. It's all massively appreciated. And we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye.